Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. I'm Nick Bradley, and today we're going to be talking about how you can create value from acquisitions. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a few weeks now, you'll know that we've been talking a lot about the various components of almost early stage um, scale up. So, you know, when you've started your business, what sort of things do you have to put in place? Um, how can you get your marketing working, sales, a little bit of on, on operations and gearing and that sort of thing. But actually what I want to get into today is how you can create significant scale, even if you think that your business is quite early stage, doesn't have the funding to do it. Um, I'm going to challenge some of those beliefs today because when we talk about growth and scale from acquisitions, it literally is a game changer. And most people think that before you even go into this world, you have to have a certain amount of capital, your own cash, if you like, to be able to fund these things, or you have to have a really good network of investors who are prepared to back you. What I'm going to go through today is uh, a few strategies, if you like, around how you can do it in some cases with no money down. Um, and I'll get through the, the sort of high level of that today. But this is such a important and to some extent complex topic. What I want to do is actually run um, a number of episodes around sort of mergers and acquisitions, because as I said beforehand, it's a game changer in terms of scale. So before I get into today's episode, just a big thank you again to everybody who's been giving me feedback on the podcast. Um, I've been consistently in the top 10 to 20 in um, Apple uh, podcasts on the UK business charts over the last few weeks and um, hit number one a few weeks ago. So just really, really pleased with um, the help that I'm providing to people and the feedback. So of course, if you haven't yet subscribed or left a review, please do so. It helps me out. It certainly inspires me to keep going with this. And as I say, almost every episode now, if you've got some topics that you'd like me to cover in a future episode, or there's anything that, you know, Nick, you, you're sort of giving me something here, but you're not going into enough detail, then please get in touch with me and I'm more than happy to um, to come back on a future episode and to be, a, be able to provide that for you. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is um, I hope you're enjoying the Entrepreneur in Focus series. Uh, we've had um, three uh, people come on the podcast now, and I've got some really exciting people lined up in the future. Again, the feedback I've got from those has been excellent as well. So if you're liking that, please let me know and I'll make sure that I can bring some interesting people, some interesting guests with some different perspectives uh, onto the show uh, in the future. So today's episode, so creating value from acquisitions. So let me kind of get into this a bit. Building a business, as most of you know, because most of you listening to this have got a business or certainly in the very early stages of startup to scale up. It's great fun. You know, it's great fun sort of coming up with the concept and building your website and all that stuff. But as you know, there's risk and there's hard work. And I'm not one to ever sort of sit there and talk about failure rates on this stuff because I think a lot of people can get scared and not start because they can read the press and read the news. And I'm not one to, to kind of 
get into sort of the dramatic nature of, you know, don't start a business because it could fail. Because that's just, to my extent, that's crap, all right? You know, if you want to do it, you've got to take action and do something about it. And, you know, one of the things you kind of hear is that 90% of businesses fail during startup phase. And, you know, my view of that, and I've mentioned this uh, on, a, on an episode previously around value proposition, is it's because you don't know what, you're not building something that is value to customers. So, you know, if you're really clear on the market need and you put your customers first, then absolutely you're going to de-risk the opportunity or the chance of your business failing just by that one strategy alone. So there's a different psychology, though, when it comes to acquiring businesses. Now, I know some people who are maybe not as sort of startup entrepreneur in terms of their mindset and skill set who will actually get into um, sort of business ownership by buying a business off someone first. And I'm going to get into a little bit today how you do that. But for all of those of you out there who have a business and you're thinking, you know, I've got it to a certain stage, it might be a lifestyle business now and I want to become a performance business. I'm struggling to, you know, just do it you know, from a, from a sales and marketing perspective, I'm getting good growth, but I want to get growth faster. I've got that ambition, all those stuff. Then, then look at acquisitions. Because what I say is there's a few things. There's a few different dynamics happening in the world today that you need to know about. Firstly, if your business is as it is today, buying another business is not a one plus one equals two equation. It's quite often a one plus one equals three or more. Now, the reason for that Let's say you've got a recruitment business and you buy another recruitment business. You're not going to need to have the same infrastructure and the same cost space in both of those businesses now they're combined. So this is what we call creating synergies. It's where you can go into the business that you've acquired. You can look again at your current business. And instead of having, let's say, two marketing departments or two sets of admin staff, you can bring that all together and you can save money. You can also save money if there's two buildings, for example. Let's say it's a, a virtual uh, recruitment business and you don't need to have, you know, um, buildings on the high street or anything like that. Then, of course, you know, you can bring all that together. So that's the first part. The second part is if the proposition, the products around, you know, use the recruitment example again, um, have got some synergy again with themselves or the customer bases are similar, then you can go out there and you can cross-sell. You know, you can cross-sell various things. You can have... Um, you know, a bigger piece of the pie that you're in, a bigger market share without having to have a heap more cost base. So I mentioned a previous episode I talked, I, I spent a lot of time in a business called Getty Images. And that was a business that grew massively through acquisition. I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, 113-ish, that sort of number, certainly over 100 acquisitions over the, the space of time that I was involved. And that was a really clear strategy of buying up content. So Getty Images is a business which is about photography, uh, stock photography to be specific, um, video, music, that sort of thing. And they just went out there and bought all the content they possibly could and put it into their technology, which is where their IP and their infrastructure sat. And they got huge efficiencies from just doing that. And that's why acquisitions you know, drove dramatic, I mean, massive, massive growth for that organization. So that's an example at a big scale but the same principles behind that work, even on a small business that may be turning over a million pounds a year and making a few hundred grand profit, if you can buy a business of another similar scale to that, then all of a sudden you've doubled the size of your business. So a couple of things why I absolutely recommend 
at, at least getting your head around becoming a deal maker in this space, is that in the US alone, every single day, there are 10,000 baby boomers retiring. So for those of you who are not you know, clear on what the concept of a baby boomer is, it's worth a Google, <laughs> but it's essentially all the um, the people who were born after the war and after the Second World War. And, you know, there was a lot of, obviously there was a spike in the number of um, of the population then because obviously lots of men had been off fighting and they came back home. So, you know, you don't need to sort of think too much about that to work out what happened. But that dynamic is a massive opportunity for us now. So if you take that figure, just in the US, 10,000 people retiring, many of those people own a business. Now, there's only three ways that you can sell a business. You can sell a business to another person, you can sell it to another business, or you can sell it to private equity. And as you know, my my background, certainly the last decade, has been in private equity. So we'll touch in on some of those dynamics today. But if there's no succession plan in those businesses, and there's only three ways to sell them, then as you can appreciate, there's a huge supply-demand equation coming out of this. And therefore, if you're the buyer at the moment, and there's a lot of businesses that are potentially out there for sale, that does two things. A, it gives you a great opportunity to find these businesses, and I'll get into a little bit today about how you do that. But more importantly, it, it, it makes the value of what you can acquire much lower because you have much more choice. And again, I'll get into what you should be looking at in terms of the price to pay for businesses, maybe not in detail in this episode, but certainly as we go forward. So just to make that come alive a little bit, let's say, for example, you know, use the recruitment business example again. Let's say, for example, you've got a quite dynamic, growing, um, sort of digitally enabled recruitment business, okay? And you want to create some scale. And you go out there and you find um, a more traditional recruitment business. It might have infrastructure, but it might have been around for, say, 30 years in its particular geography or its niche. So it's got massive brand resonance and it's got a good business. It's just what we would call subscale. It may not have fantastic marketing. It may not have some more progressive techniques around leverage to make it more efficient. Now, if the to take this forward, let's say that the owner of that business is in their 60s and they, for whatever reason, they want to go. They want to you know, retire, do something else. Um, I, I call that in some cases, depending on the psychology of the seller, I call that a distressed seller, not a distressed business. The business might be doing really well. You certainly need to look for businesses that are profitable. So when I talk about acquisitions today, I mainly focus on businesses that are old school, traditional, profitable businesses, as opposed to tech startups or technology. And they've got you know, you know, know, revenue and IP, but they haven't got any profit. We're not talking about that. We're talking about more traditional businesses that absolutely are delivering EBITDA. And I'll get into why that's important. But let's go back to my, my example. If that guy can't sell that business, he's got very, very few options. And some of the options are is that he's going to close it down. Now, that's a cost. And not only that, sometimes there's cash in the business. And if you take cash out of the business when you close it down, you're going to have disadvantageous tax rates. Whereas if he can sell the business to someone, he gets certainly in the UK um, a thing called entrepreneur's relief where if he sells the business for a certain value, he's only going to be paying 10% capital gains on that equation. So it's massively advantageous for him to sell it. So therefore, if he's distressed, um, you can often get that business for a lot lower multiple than what it's worth because the timing is in your favor. Okay. 
And if you can then bring that into your business or you can apply more progressive commercial techniques, sales and marketing, some of the stuff I've spoken to about branding on these episodes, then you can create scale in that business much, much quicker than that person previously has because you've got some new ideas. And more importantly, you're on a different runway and a different level of anxiety <laughs> so from what that person is. So just, just reflect on these points for a second. And I'm going to kind of get into how you do it a little bit today. But that one plus one equals three is massive. That supply versus demand, particularly where we are today in 2019 is massive. And that dynamic will continue for the, for the foreseeable future, certainly for the next few years. And, and I look at it, I'm, I'm more of a turnaround and scale up guy than I am a startup guy. And if you're great at turnaround, then you, know, you can create value from someone else's foundations. So the point I made before about risk, you know, 90% of startups fail or whatever, you know, you're essentially picking up the, the latter stages of that. You're picking it up past the risk, particularly if these businesses are generating profit. And I, I, I personally think this is a massive value hack. You know, so scale up your business is obviously about how you get to that end point of creating wealth, freedom, leverage. But you know, acquisitions are a value hack because, as I said, it can get you there so much quicker. I'm going to give you a quick example. Richard Branson. So he executed a huge deal at the very beginning of his career. So anyone who's read his books, you'll, you'll hear about this, but a lot of the time he comes across as this flamboyant, maverick sort of entrepreneur. And he is that to some extent, but he made a lot of his money when he sold Virgin Music to Thorn EMI. And that was a deal for 510 million pounds. Now, if you get into some of his stuff, he says before that day, he admits he was borderline insolvent. So, you know, just absolutely crazy, right? Another example, particularly if you live in the UK, is a lady called Deborah Meaden. Now, Deborah is famous because she was on Dragon's Den, or has been on Dragon's Den for a number of years. And she made her money selling her stake in a holiday business called West Star Holidays. Um, and in 2005, she made a partial exit when Westar was sold in a deal worth about £33 million to Phoenix Equity Partners. So the way to think about this from a value creation standpoint is if you have a business, let's say you have a business which is generating a million pounds and £300,000 a year. Okay, So that's a small business and that's probably a lifestyle business. And there's a bit where those businesses can be quite difficult to sell unless they're going to be sold into something else because a lot of the time the business revolves around you, the entrepreneur. If you buy another business and let's say you double it or triple it, as soon as you start getting above the million EBITDA mark, that's when you start to open up the world of private equity and the multiples go up massively. The, the, the opportunities for growth and investment go up massively. So there's, a, there's almost like a compounding effect of scale when you get into these these different sort of ranges of performance. So again, if depends on your you know your aspiration. If if you're trying to create a performance business from a lifestyle business, you know, my advice is always absolutely try and grow it organically, but at the same time start to look at acquisitions. Look for those people in your space and try and find out a way that you can at least have them on the radar and start to have some conversations because they could become crucial in the future in terms of how you want to get to that next level. Okay, so as I said, I'm not going to go into all the detail today because this could this could be like a five-hour podcast. <laughs> so, And after my last one was about you know an hour and a half, I, I want to keep this a little bit briefer today. So what I am going to give you, though, is a point around what I said at the very beginning is 
how do you buy or how do you start to think about buying a business using other people's money or importantly, you know, just no money down or a very small amount of money down? And let me just explain how that works. So in the space that we sort of operate in, let's say it's the smaller business end. I know some of you guys have got empires because you've got in touch with me, but most people listening are into that sort of smaller business going into a sort of a mid-sized business. You're going to be looking for acquisitions on two levels. So the first one I say is distressed businesses. And these are businesses that um, have been managed poorly. It could still be the case that the owner has just lost interest and lost momentum and lost confidence in the business. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad business. It just means that you're going to have to go in there with a certain psychology and toolkit to be able to do something with it. And when I say distressed businesses, I often look at ones where the value equation for acquisition is going to be a pound, right? Literally a pound or a dollar exchange. And you might say, well, why would you do that? Well, just because the business is worth a pound because there's some issues doesn't mean that there are some techniques that you could put in place that could scale it quickly, particularly if you're buying, let's say, a customer list. So if the business is, is distressed, you can buy that business through what we call a special purpose vehicle, not have any major risk on the liabilities of that business, but you can get access to the customers. And again, if you've got a business where you're already selling to that same customer segment, you've suddenly doubled the size of your business potentially by just getting that client list. So there are many ways around this. I'm not going to go into the detail today, but just for now, just sort of get in your head that you can buy businesses for no money, literally, and they can strategically scale you up very quickly. The only thing I say about that type of strategy is that if you get into it, it can also be quite time consuming. So you need to make some very clear choices about whether you want to do that. The more interesting one for me personally, and the one that I recommend is what we call leverage buyouts, LBOs. And this is where you're looking for businesses, again, that are, are good businesses. So they are profitable. And this is where you want to be able to get to a deal with the owner of that business where you can leverage their situation. So when I'm doing this personally, I only look for, as I said before, distressed sellers. And I'm looking to help them out. And I'm also looking to, to do a deal. So by helping them out, as I said before, it could be that they, they just want to retire. They don't want to turn up to their business anymore. It could be that they're sick. It could be that their partner's sick. There could be all sorts of things going on. And as I said, if there's a timeline on these individuals that they have to get out, often they'll be thinking they have to close the business down. So you coming in and saying, hey, listen, I'd like to you know, buy the business, you know, you're helping them out massively. So think of it like that. The other thing around LBOs is, I'm going to give you a little bit of the equation about how do you buy a business that's profitable for no, none of your own money. And the way you do that is, is, is a couple of things. Firstly, as I said beforehand, because of that supply and demand piece, you're looking to buy these businesses for, in my mind, no more than two to three times the EBITDA average over the last three years of that, that trading entity. So what does that mean? So that means that Let's say, for example, the business, I'll use the recruitment business before, let's say this business is turning over £300,000. It's been consistently, um, sorry, making £300,000 EBITDA. Then that business is going to be worth somewhere between six to £900,000 based on the model that I would apply to the valuation. Now, some owners will come back and say, hey, my business is worth much more than that. But remember what I said, you're not targeting 
every type of owner. You're targeting a very specific type of owner, someone who feels like they need to get out of their business quickly and they want to get out quickly and they're prepared to sell the business for fair value, but they're not being crazy in terms of what they think it's worth. So to build that for, let's say we buy that business for three times, so that's going to be £900,000. You can then look at the assets of that business and you can get finance, it's what we call asset finance, against those, those various elements. So in a business like recruitment, they're not going to have a lot of fixed infrastructure. So you may be looking just at the trade debtors, for example, and you can normally get finance of 80% up to the trade debtors list. So that could be, in the case of this business, you know, 150 to 200,000 pounds. Then what you want to do is also look at how you can agree with the seller, what we call a vendor financed agreement or seller financed agreement, whereby you'll sit there and pay a deferred payment over what could be three to five years um, of the agreed sort of purchase price of that business. So it's hard, it's not easy for me to kind of like talk through the numbers and all that today, but the only thing I want you to get in your head around how do you do this for none of your own money is you've got 150 grand that's come out of the receivables that you've been able to asset finance and you can take that on a 10-year loan. Then you've got a deferred payment of the rest. So in this case, we said it was 900,000. So there's 750,000 that needs to be sort of paid, if you like, over the course of, let's say, four or five years. So if you break all of that down and the business is already turning over 300,000 pounds, you're going to be netting every year if you can get a deal away around about 100 to 150,000 pounds pure profit that's going to go into your pocket. Now, again, if you're buying that business and you're adding it on to your current business, then you can get additional synergies. And what's important is when you acquire a business, you don't, you know, you don't put into the deal the benefit that you're going to get by what you've already got from your current business. It's about what that business does. So all of a sudden, you could just add that straight to your bottom line, and then you've suddenly created more certainty, but certainly more scale just by doing that deal. Okay, now this is, I, I do appreciate, I'm now getting into a layer of detail where you're going, God, what the hell did he just say? That sounds like alchemy. And you know what? It is. <laughs> it is alchemy. Because what you've just done is you've got a business which is fair value, but potentially undervalued. You've got the synergies, the one plus one equals three. You've got the assets in the business that you can raise finance against, which is exactly like getting a mortgage on a house. You're actually raising money against the asset that you're going to buy, not what you currently buy. And then you've got the owner who, you know, just quite frankly, doesn't want to turn up to work anymore. So what you're agreeing with them is, hey, listen, well, you're going to get a check every single month or year or whatever you agree in the terms of the deal not to turn up. And plus, I'm going to be able to create scale. You know, you can even do things like, you know, leave a small percentage of equity in the business for that person who you're buying the business from. So they get a piece of the upside when, you know, you potentially decide to sell the, the group at some point in the future. So there's a whole heap of different nuances here. And hopefully all I wanted to do today was just get your head thinking around acquisitions and certainly not have a, a self-limiting belief that you can't do it because you haven't got the cash or you know, you don't know how to do it, all of that sort of stuff. There's a couple of people I recommend looking into if you're interested in this type of stuff. So the first thing I did a few years back was called the Harbour Club, run by a guy called Jeremy Harbour. Uh, definitely work a Google, worth a Google and check it out. Um, it's not a cheap thing to invest in, and I'm not affiliated in any way, shape or form with it. 
but you know you can go away and learn how to buy particularly distressed businesses so how do you go into businesses how do you source them how do you do a deal structure it's called a deal pie and how do you kind of find businesses that you can buy for pretty much no money like we you know the one the one pound deals so that's the first one Second one I recommend thoroughly is by a guy called Carl Allen, um, and he's, um, the actual program is called Business Buying Accelerator. It's an online program, and he runs a business called Ninja Acquisitions and has spent you know, many, many years of his corporate life doing this for big, um, large organizations, but then started to do this for himself. And I think he's got something like nine businesses that he owns as a portfolio now, and he has people in those businesses like sort of ops directors or GMs running them. And as you can appreciate, he's literally taking income from these businesses on a monthly basis because the cash, you know, he owns these businesses. So the numbers that I've seen are quite compelling. The second thing to think about here is is the value that you created exit, which is called a capital event. So if you've got a portfolio of businesses, remember, you don't have to keep them forever. In, in many cases, if some of those catch fire and they particularly start to get into the, the frame of private equity, you can sell those businesses for really, really high multiples. So just to sort of finish a little bit on this point. If you buy a business, um, you've paid two to three times EBITDA, so the profit of that business. You scale it up, you get it to a point where it's starting to become interesting to some of the bigger investment um, people, private equity firms, etc. Then um, that multiple goes up. So what I've seen in my experience is, you know, the minimum that you would expect is probably five times in that sort of five to eight. But if you've got a business that's really nailing it in a niche, growing quickly, um, starting to win customers, has a bit of global remit, not just in your geography, then you know it's not uncommon to sell a business for somewhere between eight to 12 times EBITDA. So if you work that out, you've paid two to three times. You've spent you know, a bit of time scaling and growing it through your techniques and synergies and the rest of it. And then, you know, you sell that business for eight to 12 times. That is massive. That's what I call creating a capital event. And for all of you out there who's trying to get to a point of, of sort of freedom from your business at some point and you want to kind of retire and do other stuff and you've got a different mission purpose, that's all cool. Creating a capital event is what you should set your sights for. And the other reason why that's also important in the, to the, uh, the nuance in the UK that I mentioned previously is if you sell a business, you've got this entrepreneur's relief, which is a 10% sort of tax, if you like, for the capital gains. So, you know, that's massively more advantageous than paying, you know, 50% in income tax or anything like that. So I know lots of you out there aren't there with this yet, and I absolutely appreciate that you're not necessarily you know, wanting to go out there and, you know, sell your business. You're very happy having a lifestyle business. We had Kev Blackburn with his online arbitrage and, you know, an amazing lifestyle. And, you know, he's not necessarily at this point in the frame of what we're talking about today. That said, have this on your radar. I'm going to unpack in a few uh, future episodes about how you find these sort of deals. I'm going to get quite into deal structuring. I'm definitely going to get into post-deal scale-up some of the first things you do, because I think that's quite important. Um, but of course, if you are interested in this stuff, reach out to me on any of the social media channels. LinkedIn and Facebook are probably the best at the moment. So certainly look at me on LinkedIn and you can send me a note. Happy to just kind of tell you how this all works in more detail, because I know there's probably a lot of you out there, your eyes have lit up. And you know, to my point on alchemy, you're going, 
what is this magic that Nick just spoke about? <laughs> and to be frank, some of it is absolutely like that without even overselling it. And you, you've just got to have this in your frame at some point in time for when it's right for you. Okay, so that's it. So that's it for today. So how you create value from acquisitions. I hope I've covered a reasonably broad area. As I said, I'll go into the specifics soon. And hopefully this is, an, this is a topic that resonates with you. So again, give me some feedback on that. I'll go deeper into it. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, please, if you're liking everything that I'm doing, go out there and subscribe. Um, certainly leave some reviews on Apple Podcasts. And one last thing just to finish with today is I've had a couple of requests for people wanting to know about sort of masterminds and retreats and, and those sort of things. There's nothing in frame at this point in time, but if you're interested in, in some scale-up educational training, I have some, um, some people that I know who um, can certainly help in that area. So if that's something that you think would be of value to you in the future, if you're getting value from the podcast, then certainly, again, shoot me a note, get in touch, say, yeah, Nick, listen, would love to know more about that. And I can um, certainly provide some more information. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening. And as I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.